Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Kate Hamilton. She is a freelance writer and editor based in London and has written for titles including The Guardian, Refinery29, ES Magazine and Stylist. For five years, she worked at Suitcase Magazine and for two of those years, she held the position of editor-in-chief. She is also the co-founder and content director at Sonder and Tell, which is a new agency that helps brands find their voice and express themselves online. And their practice involves bringing an editorial approach to brand content and applying storytelling techniques to create the sort of work that really cuts through the noise. Sonder and Tell is all about the strategy and storytelling, and I've worked with them on a book called Comfort Zones a while back that raised money for Women for Women International in partnership with Jigsaw. And that was sort of how I came across their work and that's how I met Kate. And they also helped me rebrand my newsletter and take it from just my newsletter with my name on it to The Hyphen, which is what it's called now. So I really rate them as an agency and as storytellers And I thought that this episode all about building a brand online might be of use during this strange time where we might be thinking about starting something new or trying to be creative and finding new ways to cut through the noise online. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Kate. And if you did enjoy it, please do rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps keep the podcast going. So... Thanks for tuning in and I will see you again next week. So I'm very excited to be joined by Kate from Sondra and Tell, who I've worked with in the past, which was a great experience. And I just really wanted to invite you on to chat a bit about uh, storytelling, branding, getting a project off the ground and kind of finding your voice, I suppose, in a time that is a little bit of a strange time. So thank you so much, Kate, for coming on. Thank you, Emma, for having me. Really excited to talk to me you. Me too. So first of all, I just wanted to ask you a bit about Sondra and Tell because I know a lot about it, but I don't really know the backstory of how it kind of came about and when you started it and why you started it. So just a bit of background would be amazing. Yeah, of course. So Sondra and Tell is a content and communications agency, and we specialize in brand story, tone of voice, and creative copywriting for all sorts of different consumer-facing lifestyle brands. I founded it about two and a half years old, just under that. So founded it in 2017 with my partner, Emily. So and we started it on the premise that we wanted to think a bit more critically about the content that brands were putting out there, because I think at the time and still now, really, content was such a buzzword and all these brands were sort of banging on about having to create something and putting it out into the world and these kind of blogs or perhaps social media, but they weren't necessarily thinking first about the their audience who they should be addressing in what kind of voice they should be speaking and the kind of language they were using so my background was in journalism and Emily's was too we were both at a travel magazine called suitcase for a number of years so we picked up all these sort of language and journalism techniques that we then decided to apply to the brand world and our kind of philosophy now is that you don't necessarily need more words you just need better ones and that words have real power and if brands can get that right 
then they can have a lot more impact really. So yeah, we started off very small. Well, there's three of us now. We hired Kat, our um, marketing manager, about six months ago. And now we're working with brands like Bumble, Cat Kitten, Jigsaw on all different kinds of sort of language work. So that's us really in a nutshell. It's so interesting. So I think we're obviously in a time where everyone is on the internet. And I guess even though I suppose I'm probably a culprit in being like anyone can start their own business from scratch. It doesn't mean that it's easy and you kind of have to grab people's attention more than ever, but in a way that isn't spammy or annoying. And it's like you kind of have to get it so right these days. So it's like a bit more of a challenge, maybe. Yeah, I think there's a lot of noise and to kind of have your voice heard, there's a lot more thought perhaps that has to go into I mean I think it's a it's a good thing so there's a lot more capacity people have a lot more sort of room to take in stories but at the same time those stories have to be really crafted to sound different and one of the things we talk a lot about is crafting a unique tone of voice as a way of sort of standing out from the crowd. Yeah and I love the examples that you use some of the brands that do it really well I know that we spoke about the wing when we were working together and how you I don't know, it's interesting. I've always thought that about women's magazines as well, that if you couldn't see the logo, could you know who was speaking to you? And I felt like so many of them merged into just being the same as each other. And I was like, that's kind of the opposite of what we should be trying to achieve. Like we should know from a tweet, ideally, who the person is or who the brand is. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's an exercise we take brands through quite a lot is sort of imagining if your brand was a person. I think we did it with you even and we were, if they were sitting at a table with you now how would they make you feel what kind of questions would they ask what sort of conversations would they spark and how would they sort of hold themselves so yeah I think tone of voice is basically the main way that we work with brands in, ter- in terms of sort of standing out and your tone of voice really is your expression of your personality so we often get people to think of a few key words um, and make them a bit more interesting than something just like chatty or friendly is your brand energizing or are you frank are you a little bit eccentric And you can start, a good place to start, I guess, is looking at your competitors um, and looking at the language that they use and how how you can stand out from that. And then also look at your target audience and how they want to be spoken to. So if you're like a wine brand for baby boomers, then you're going to sound very different to kind of an alcohol-free punch brand Mm -hmm. for Gen Z, for example. So it's thinking about how you can stand out and what opinions you can have as well. We, We, If you have a tone of voice, then you should be having an opinion and that doesn't mean that you need to weigh in on everything I think that's another thing that happens is that brands end up thinking they have to speak out on every sort of event which is why on something like International Women's Day you get this kind of torrent of messaging or even now right you get everyone kind of letting you know that they're all their staff are washing their hands and actually you need to be a bit more discerning and think about how you can be useful and add value to a space yeah because I know as someone that receives so many press releases it's like you don't really need a tooth your toothpaste brand telling you that they want to empower you it's like just want some clean teeth yeah to uh, start my day yeah you want clean teeth or if you're a makeup brand you want yeah you want lipstick that stays on or whatever it is you don't necessarily want need to be empowered by your beauty product products that might be a kind of underlying message but using that language straight on can be quite alienating sometimes yeah definitely I um I wondered actually because I know the point of kind of doing this episode I really wanted to spread some I don't know practical stuff to people who might be wanting to start a creative project if they are feeling reflective 
But I wondered, you know, when you're surrounded by all the noise and you've, you are looking at maybe your competitors or the people around you, I wondered, do you find it useful to kind of take yourself away from all of that and take yourself off the internet when you're working on a project with someone? Do you, I don't know, do you, is it important to get the headspace to be like, what even is my voice? That's a good question. Do you mean my personal voice or the sort of brand voice? I don't know. I guess when you're digging into a project for someone, I just, I know there's all the research that goes on, but I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I need a bit of quiet to kind of almost not be tempted to copy people, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I do understand. I think we've spoken quite, we were speaking about this actually the other day in terms of the difference between having a voice as a journalist or an editorial writer versus having a voice as a copywriter because I think if you're a journalist or an editorial writer that is a lot of that is about crafting your own specific read on things and your own sort of garnishes on your writing almost and that's what people commission you for and I guess that is that's very different from if you're writing copy Mm. it's much more about almost eliminating all of that my personal writing style and getting in the head of a brand so we always say it's like kind of putting on a hat Emily actually the other day was talking about ordering these like baseball caps that have um, whiteboard stickers on the front of them and you can write which brand you're meant <laughs> to be but it's so you can kind of get in that headspace it's a very different exercise from journalism and I think people often talk about some journalists and copywriters as quite similar but it took us a while to sort of realize how different that is because I actually find it much less anxiety inducing writing copy for a brand because it's not like oh what's Kate Hamilton's take on this it's what does this brand think what do they want to say and then how would they say it in their way but I guess to answer your question in terms of when we're sitting in front of a project I think we try and read as much as we can to be honest but we don't necessarily we sort of look at competitors to understand what they're doing so that we don't do that but then we almost take quite a nerdy like academic approach to branding that we're working with a non-alcoholic spirits brand quite recently and looking at their tone of voice and we actually ended up going down the route of looking at a lot of wine writing and how a lot of traditional wine writing to be honest can be very pretentious and flowery and words like full-bodied and bouquets and things that actually the average person doesn't necessarily want to know so we looked at that and then drew out a kind of concept for tone of voice that could be a lot more sort of refreshing and young so we looked at a writer called Marissa Ross who is the wine editor for Bon Appetit mag and she says things like oh it's wine that smelled like a high high school crush or tastes like your favorite dessert so it's a lot of like looking around conceptually at language as well but that doesn't necessarily have to come from competitors I guess I think it's almost like arming yourself with as much research as you can and then letting your imagination go and I think also what we do well is we all edit one another so we always make sure a project goes through at least two but sometimes three of us and we're quite rigorous at being like oh sorry what do you mean there or that doesn't actually make sense or can you make that more imaginative or push this so yeah we just have these kind of annotated google docs so and I think that also stops us from going too far into sort of or getting too close to a competitor so we're always kind of checking each other's sort of language and almost one person is looking at the messaging the next person is sort of looking at the tone Mm. and then the final person is making sure it's all come together in in a coherent way um so I think that really helps with any writing is getting edited but with copywriting especially I think it feels like a very Mm. sensitive time 
to be talking about things pre-coronavirus world. And I just wondered, I mean, it's great that brands want to help and I feel like brands need to do more in that space and it's obviously kind of a good thing for them PR-wise to be trying to help. But, I mean, do you think it's... I don't know how 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 do you think brands should kind of go about it now like the, it's not just a case of putting money behind something it has to fit doesn't it Of course yeah and it's it's a it's a really tough time to be honest and a lot of people are asking sort of do brands even matter right mm-hmm. now and what's the what's the point of them on the one hand you've got this sort of backlash against a lot of seriously boring brand emails and you've also got people sort of saying how how dare you sell a piece of clothing without referencing you know during this time I do think at the same time the wheels kind of have to keep turning and people brands have to think long term and that what they're doing now is going to have people are going to remember them for that down the line so you know people are going to remembering remember how Virgin reacted and haven't treated their staff that well but I think mainly the thing is thinking about where you can be useful and how you can be helpful and perhaps you know it might be that the most useful thing right now is for you to be a bit quieter I've, I've noticed that recently actually um away you know do you know the suitcase mm, brand yeah they put out emails I think normally every week I get them and I haven't heard from them at all in my inbox since this started which is probably a sensitive move and that you're a travel brand you're not going to be at the forefront of anyone's mind right now right now they're still posting on social but it's a little bit quieter and I think that's probably a tactical decision on their part but I think there are brands who are doing really good things I think Netflix used their voice to kind of reinforce a lot of the messaging on stay home they did that spoilers campaign which was they'd posted um billboards with spoilers to people's favorite shows so things like stranger things all around the city and were like oh if you don't want to know what happens at the end then stay home because you shouldn't be here (laughs) (laughs) lots of brands doing practical things prep who are offering nhs workers free hot drinks and you don't have to be a huge brand to drink that i know heist the tights brand also gifting pairs of tights but i think there is also something to be said around just being i think normally we say to be you should be either entertaining or educating people. I think the kind of entertainment side needs to be a little bit questioned right now. I know Innocent are writing sort of little poems in their tone of voice, which are working quite nicely. They're not they're not funny at all. They're just quite lighthearted and mood lifting. So I think it is good to be communicating if you're being helpful. I think it's just to ask, how is this useful to people? And is it really saying anything different? Because there's also a lot of brands sort of trying to be helpful and putting out you know, work from home tips and things like that. But a lot of it's quite mediocre, Mm. to be honest. So it's asking if you're being helpful, if you're offering something that people haven't seen and if it is in line with your brand values. Again, sorry, another example, but Guinness are pledging a million pounds to support bartenders, which obviously is directly related to the industry that they're in and it makes sense to them. So yeah, it's kind of acting in the moment, but connecting that back to your own to your own story and making sure that anything you are putting out is in your tone of voice, I think, as well, is because like, referencing Innocent, again, they've done a really good job at that. They always do. But if you're quite a whimsical, fun brand and suddenly you're putting out emails with this very grave tone um, just to sort of match the gravity of the situation, it's, it sort of raises questions that actually ends up having the opposite effect and isn't very reassuring because people question why you're suddenly speaking like that and obviously being mindful of things like jargon and cliches raises like 
unprecedented times and trying times tend to be getting people's backs up a little bit at the moment so just watch watch those it's almost like it's just a case of being yourself which is hard sometimes because you you don't know if you're doing the right thing but actually if you're just really kind of open and honest and like we're doing this and we're trying and we're you know this is where we're coming from it's like pulling back the curtain a little bit yeah I totally agree with that and part of it might be I don't think anyone's gonna get annoyed with you for saying look we don't know how to navigate through this and we're talking about this in this way but if this doesn't quite land right then please let us know if you think this is too salesy or whatever it is because obviously it's totally new for everyone and I think you're right in that it's partly kind of opening up conversations with with people and not definitely not just blindly selling (laughs) yeah I just wondered for anyone listening who might have a side hustle or side project or I don't know new writing project or anything a new business idea that they've kind of got in the back of their minds and they're thinking actually now might be a good time to launch it because I don't know they might just be in a situation where they have a bit of room to do it now is there are there any like top kind of takeaways that you could offer just to not rush into launching something you know before having a think about some of this stuff yeah so the way I mean there are lots of different ways into sort of starting brands obviously if you worked with a design agency first they'd start you on a kind of visual process where they'd be showing you lots of colors and fonts and things like that we start with words because that's what we know and we deal with language so what you might want to do is to start thinking about your brand story and a brand story is basically your proposition for your customer and all of your messaging about what you do in one place a lot of people again everyone has different approaches people do it in diagrams we do it in a kind of three to four hundred word editorial narrative because we think that they stick better essentially and that people really rally behind words in that way so if you're starting to your own brand then you want to start mapping out some bits of the story so you can break that down into components and things like who's your customer so think about the person you're selling to we always try and break it down into things like mindset so rather than demographics so I mean it might be useful to think about their age and where they live but also think about the magazines that they're reading or the newspapers that they pick up, what their favorite restaurants are, um, what brands they're already following on Instagram, if they listen to any podcasts um, and try and capture the world that they live in essentially. So, and we always say as well with your brand story, try and make that customer the hero. So it's how are you going to help them and what sort of quote unquote journey are you taking them on? So let's say for instance, you're a, bed linen brand rather than saying we make the best sheets around your you flip that and you say you're going to get the best night's sleep in our in our linen so it's always they the customer will be having some kind of problem that they're coming up against and how can you help them get over that so start thinking about that sort of structure and then beyond that you can start thinking about I guess your target audience as well you can look at the kind of language they might be using and start thinking about your own personality and words that you use so you should really be able to break that down into three key words I think any more than three or four and you end up gets too much really but if you have to kind of boil down what you want your brand to stand for and what you want it to sound and feel like in three words and what would they be and again try and make them a little bit more interesting than like friendly or honest maybe you're challenging or maybe you're very direct or maybe you're eccentric what words are they and 
yeah, you can have, start having a think about your values as well if there's anything specific you want to stand for and try and make it as specific as possible. So rather than these kind of blanket terms like sustainability, um, perhaps there's anti-plastic pollution or something like that. Yeah, God, that's really useful. It's so It's an interesting time we're in as well because I feel like there are so many businesses that might pop up, but then they might kind of go away again. And it's looking at some of those old school brands that have been around for hundreds of years it's like it's always an emotional connection really that carries it through and it's why we can't really let go of certain brands it's just really interesting yeah I think yeah one thing to say on tone of voice actually just reminded me from saying that is that there's been a bit of a backlash recently against kind of this is a bad word to use but I can't think of how to explain it quote unquote kind of millennial branding so that very um sort of pastel aesthetic and um, sans serif fonts and then kind of just choosing tone of voice that sounds very chatty so you need to think about all these elements like your customer your personality your tone of voice and your values as one whole and they all have to be kind of in conversation with each other so your tone of voice has to link to your story it's no good kind of thinking of it as at the end of the deck for example and then being like okay let's just sound friendly because that's what everyone else is doing Mm. they all have to be kind of coherent yeah and like following the trend too much is always a bit of a a red flag I find like if something's just really suddenly super trendy it's like I feel like getting too attached to that because it could be just kind of a moment in time and then your brand in a few years might need a complete overhaul whereas you really want to stick to what you've gone for for as long as possible I think yeah, exactly. And that's not to say you, you should be updating your story and your tone mm. and thinking about whether it's still working for you and definitely reevaluating that and building on it. But it should have some flex in it as well. It shouldn't just be kind of a flash in the pan. Yeah. So I thought just lastly, we could talk a little bit about how we work together, because there might be people listening as well who, like me, kind of already had something going on and already had a brand which could be an individual brand like for me it was this podcast and some other things but it was really great your offering and I think a lot of people out there could probably benefit from something similar or what you guys do which is basically looking at a brand that has been around for a few years and kind of re-establishing what that brand story is and from working together what came out of that was the hyphen concept which has gone on to become a book club now which I'm very excited about I know us too (laughs) it was just so valuable and it really kind of it was like the glue of like just kind of sticking everything back together and it making sense so yeah I just wondered like how often do you work with individuals and uh, do you enjoy doing it (laughs) yeah no we love doing it we we actually generally work with brands as in more than an individual but I think in your case And in the case when people are kind of trying to build out a community and a culture um, that's kind of something beyond just them, then it works really well. So it's sort of people who come to us and they're often wanting to create a bit of a distance between the individual and the sort of world that they're creating almost. Because we've seen it before when people, either they're an individual, perhaps they sort of named the brand after themselves. And every sort of Instagram caption you write can end up sounding really anxiety inducing and like you're signing off on it but if you actually create a sort of Emma Gannon the person and then Emma Gannon's brand it's it allows you to think about it as something independent and in having creative distance from something that's yours is is really important so with you obviously you'd built out all these different kind of strings to your bow you have this podcast 
used to have a newsletter and then you have your books and Olive was coming out or is coming out this year. So we, again, took you through this kind of, people always say that it's a bit like therapy, actually, when we go through this thing. So we get <laughs> it was a bit, yeah. um, the, yeah, the founder, we had your agents in the room as well and kind of probed your vision for what you wanted to do. And again, we were trying to identify exactly who your kind of customer is and the type of people that want to be following the sort of multi-hyphenate life and how you can help them lead that. And we landed on this kind of concept of curiosity and then fed that into a newsletter called The Hyphen, which is you kind of exploring your own creative curiosity, but also encouraging sharing resources and encouraging other people to do the same. And I think, yeah, it's that when when people want to build out a culture and a community and invite other people into the conversation to their individual brand, then it's a really useful thing. It was a really useful thing, but it kind of wasn't something that I knew really was available until I discovered your company because it's it's one of those things that I guess if you're really busy you you wouldn't just sit down and think about but it's really valuable yeah and we I mean it is it's that kind of cobbler shoes thing it's always really hard to practice your own your own strategy because we've been trying to do our own internal content for a while and it just gets put back so it's always useful to have a sort of separate voice I think who's pushing that although we do we've um because we kind of encourage people to create their own culture and stand for something beyond just selling a product we have started to build out this sort of community of different storytellers online and through our newsletter so even if people aren't sort of paying for our services they can still get involved in well what we basically do on there is like nerd out about words and sharing <laughs> yeah, writing really advice, <laughs> which is really nice so yeah but are people coming to you at the moment for any like trend trend kind of inspirational or reporting like are people I don't know wondering what 2020 does have in store for brands these days I just wondered if we could leave on a on a note hope <laughs> maybe an optimistic one I don't know but just about the future yeah. of branding really yeah, I think we're not, we haven't built out a kind of trend reporting thing yet, but we'd love to do that in the future when we're bigger, because I think as, as much kind of insights and future proofing yourself you can do, the more rigorous your concepts and your brands can be. I think one thing that we're seeing definitely with some of the smaller brands we're working with at the moment, which I think is going to become more of a thing, is that messaging is going to be a lot more specific. So I think people are wising up to big terms like, sustainability or feminism or diversity that can end up sounding like they've just been tacked on something but they're not actually the brand themselves isn't necessarily being held accountable or they're not then breaking that down into achievable goals that they can actually do so we worked with a startup cleaning brand so they are basically their tablet called home things they've tabletized the cleaning cleaning products and then you basically take the tablet, put it in a glass bottle and clean your house with that rather than rebuying plastic in the form of like Mr. Muscle or Dettol or whatever your cleaning product is. Um, very relevant for now, actually. Mm. But they, rather than having sustainability as their, as their message, it's all about eliminating single-use plastic from the home, which is something that every individual customer can achievably do. So it's I think we'll see a lot more of that as like basically brands being held to account and having much more achievable and specific missions rather than these sort of blanket terms. Yes, and actually putting it into action through the brands themselves rather than just like putting it on a press release. 
Exactly. Yeah. Leading the charge and then having their community and their customers being able to achieve it with them. Got it. So yeah, it's really interesting what you said earlier about how things that used to feel really important kind of aren't important anymore. And I think it is going to shift. I don't know, maybe holding brands accountable like this is a good thing for the future. Yeah, I think so. I think it's been moving this way for a while, but I think now people are just, the way that people are noticing the brands that are doing well through this basically and have got it right and they'll be remembered afterwards. And I think if if you've taken the decision like a way, for example, to kind of hold your newsletter for a bit um, and people will remember you when they want to start traveling again, but you don't necessarily have to be reminding them. Yeah when they physically can't move that you're still yes, there totally yeah it's ha- like having faith in what you're doing and not panicking well thank you so much for that uh that was really really useful I feel like this whole episode is basically like how to be a brand right now <laughs> so that was really oh, good, yeah, yeah. really useful um how can people find you what's the link to the blog because I feel like that is one of my favorite places to get recommendations and also your newsletter Oh, thank you. Yeah, our website is sondraandtel.com. You can find us on Instagram, which is where we share a lot of, and that's at sondraandtel, which is where we share um, interviews with people like Emma, um, marketing directors, copywriters. And then you can sign up to the newsletter, which is called The Word from our website and Instagram as well. And that's the tagline, sort of writing worth reading. And uh, I think people really like, if you are a writer, people really like reading about writing so yeah that's a good place to kind of nerd out on words yes. and punctuation if you're in yes, that which I, I love am. that and yeah I love it it's like heaven just nerding out on wordy stuff <laughs> oh well thank you so much Kay that was really really interesting and um yeah I feel much better now from having spoken to you about that oh good 